Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 7, Episode 9. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And tonight we're going to talk about... Okay, so I had a bit of a thought over the weekend. There are a couple of movies that I want to talk about, Mm -hmm. but... A couple of of movies. One of them is quite bleak. Oh, we like bleak. Uh, uh, but maybe not not for right now, because, listener, we're still in lockdown. <laughs> so don't watch this. Just enjoy the podcast, listener. Uh, so I decided not to talk about the one that's quite bleak, and maybe I'll talk about that when we come out of lockdown. Okay, okay. But it's not one that I would recommend right now. What would you recommend for lockdown? Oh, that's a good Something... Okay, so actually, we watched um, Wayne's World oh. on <laughs> Saturday does that, Is that not... Does it not have issues in the modern day? Not really, no. Okay, okay. No, because you know, it people go into it with their eyes open, and <laughs> it's it's not really, you know, it's not hashtag Me Too or anything. Okay, okay. But it is still a lot of fun. Okay. Um, very obviously quotable. The whole yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody sequence, the stuff with Meatloaf that's so brief yet so much fun. Yeah, Meatloaf's really good, isn't it? The stuff with the um security guard who gives them an awful lot of information <laughs> yeah <laughs> alice cooper yeah is that all in one uh yeah, yeah. who's in two is it aerosmith in two aerosmith yeah two's good too aerosmith and christopher walken yeah <laughs> who does good villain <laughs> you want me to say what right you want me to say what <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's quality in fact, I managed to, I managed to zing my wife with a. Have you? I said, have you seen Wayne's World? It's got the gag, a thing he says what, and she said what. <laughs> <laughs> that made my day. Yeah, once again, you proved your superiority. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I can prove my superiority is with movie quotes. Uh, um, anyway, what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so in a throwback to our top 30 movies of the 20th century. Ah, yes. Was that season five? I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's season five. Yeah, I think it probably was season five. Some previous season. It was most of 2017. Wow. Possibly some of 2018 as well. Um, So in a throwback to that, I want to talk about a couple of notable exceptions. Um, Things that didn't make the grade... Mm-hmm. But are still worth talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. I enjoyed the top thirty horror films of the yeah, 20th century. Yeah, it was cool. There are reasons why these movies didn't make the list. Okay, I, I am even more excited about it. <clears throat> I certainly considered them, but but let's talk about them. So they are two two movies: uh, Jacob's Ladder from mm-hmm. 1990, mm-hmm. and from 1987, Angel Heart. Okay. Um, so these are both, you know, sort of late 80s, 1990 uh, movies. So I've seen Jacob's Ladder. Okay. I, it had quite a... I remember it strongly. I haven't seen Angel Heart. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Jacob's Ladder first then. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a 1990 American psychological horror film directed by Adrian Lyne, um, produced by Alan Marshall, written by Bruce Joel Rubin and starring Tim Robbins... The great Tim Robbins. Yeah. Elizabeth Pena and Danny Aiello. The great Danny Aiello. Are we doing um, spoilers in this podcast? I think we probably should. Okay, good. Because yeah. I think Jacob's Ladder... Yeah. You need to I don't talk think you can really talk about Jacob's Ladder without going into spoilers. Okay, okay. Um, so the film's protagonist, Jacob, 
is a Vietnam veteran whose experiences prior to and during the war result in strange, fragmentary visions and bizarre hallucinations that continue to haunt him. Yeah, including people with their faces going... Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. As his ordeal worsens, Jacob desperately attempts to figure out the truth. It was made by Carol Co. Pictures... 10 years after first being written, so it sat on the shelf for a while. Uh, Though only only moderately successful upon release, the film garnered a cult following, and its plot and special effects became a source of influence for various other works, such as Silent Hill, which is a video game on the PlayStation, I think. Yeah, I think I played it about once. Yeah, that's a pretty unsettling game. It's pretty messed up. Um. A remake, also titled Jacob's Ladder, was released in 2019. I didn't even know this. No. No. Doesn't seem worth doing. No, it doesn't, does it? So, directed by Adrian Lyne, who is an interesting interesting director, English uh, film director. He made uh, Fatal Attraction. <laughs> yeah. fam- the famous Fatal Attraction. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe infamous. Yeah. Uh, Nine and a Half Weeks, also an infamous movie. Yeah. Actually starring Mickey Rourke, who is in Angel Heart. So okay. there's a Ooh. bit of a crossover there. Uh, Flashdance, which I've never seen, but is, again, quite influential. Indecent Proposal as well. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's pretty good. It's okay. I think pretty short. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. Um, so I think I would say that he is one of the great... 80s and 90s visual stylists mm-hmm. so his you know he came from a um uh a commercials background okay uh, like ridley scott mm. oh, right, so right, right. really good with visuals snappy visuals right and that i think really comes through in jacob's ladder this is a visually arresting film yeah and i think um, i think we developed a theme of you liking Visually interesting films, definitely. Yeah, I, I do like your a vi- thing. Yeah. One of your things. I think, it, I think it is. I think it definitely is. I think there's a movie that that I touched upon a couple of pods ago called Night of Cups, mm-hmm. which is Terence Malick movie, which is shot by Emmanuel Lubetsky, who's a big collaborator of Malick's, also a big collaborator with. Um. Uh, no, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> Gravity. Uh, Harry Potter, what's his name? <coughs> oh boy, I'm sure a listener is shouting at me now, but I can't remember his name. That's terrible. It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, he's a big collaborator with him and Terence Malick and um, the director of The Revenant, who is called. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm having a senior moment. <laughs> I would I would jump in and help if I knew anything. No, it's okay. It, it'll come to me in a moment. <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron, that's him. Ah, okay, okay. Of, of Gravity. Okay. And of The Revenant, etc. It is... Um, yes. No, it's gone. Inaratu, that's his surname. I can't remember his... Um, yeah, so another Mexican director. Okay. Um, so uh, Emmanuel Lubetsky is a big collaborator with them as well, and mm-hmm. he's one of the most visually arresting cinematographers. Right. Um, basically, if there's a if he's in line for an Oscar and and Roger Deakins is in line for an Oscar, 
Emmanuel Lubetsky always wins. <laughs> so he's been quite quiet lately, which is why Roger Deakins has won a couple of Academy Awards. So, yes, I do like a visually arresting movie. Random yeah. film that's that I really liked the visuals of. Yes. That vanished without trace. Spawn. Oh, okay, I've seen Spawn. I quite liked it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. I'm going to see who shot Spawn, see if anybody interesting was inv- in- involved in it. Yeah, it was not bad, was it? Yeah, I thought it was okay. No one else did. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to have a look at the um, Spawn film. Who, <laughs> who, who filmed it? It's one of those throwaway um, superhero uh, films. Somebody called Guillermo Navarro. Um, let's see what else he's done. Oh, he shot Pan's Labyrinth. There you go. All right. So, oh, well, I'm a visionary then, because I yeah spotted yeah. and Hellboy. So he he's right, a collaborator okay. of Tel- Del Toro. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pacific Rim. Um. What else? Oh, a couple of Twilight movies for Bill Condon. Hellboy two. Okay, so some other people noticed. Yeah. Or rather, yeah, so maybe it was. Just I can see why. Oh, and the, and the Devil's Backbone, which is an early Del Toro. Okay. Movie, yeah. So he's he's been busy from dusk till dawn. Right. Yeah. Which you know, from dusk till dawn, I think is has such potential, and <laughs> I think it squanders most of it. Yeah, it's but, disappointing, isn't it? But it is visually quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it is disappointing. Why is it? Yeah. yeah, what's wrong with it? I don't know. Well, it's Robert Rodriguez, and I've never seen a film of his that I've liked. Really? So, yeah. What else did he do? The Postman, he, <laughs> oh, Il Postino, with um, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> uh, he directed both of the Sin City movies, which I thought were fine. I quite liked Sin City, but <clears throat> uh, again, it felt maybe like. It had potential that it didn't live up to. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I shot. He also shot Jackie Brown for Quentin Tarantino, which I think is a is a good movie. Right. Anyway, we're getting massively yeah. sidetracked here. So, <laughs> sorry, it's okay. So yes, I do like a visually arresting movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so the plot of Jacob's Ladder is that in 1971, American infantryman Jacob Singer is deployed to Vietnam. Uh, his unit come under attack, and as many of his comrades are killed or wounded, others exhibit abnormal behaviour, with some suffering catatonia, convulsions, and seizures. And these mm. are things that come back to him later on, you know, mm. in the present day. Mm. Mm. He flees into the jungle only to be stabbed with a bayonet by an unseen assailant. So, uh, he awakes in New York City subway where after glimpsing what he believes to be a tentacle protruding from a sleepless homeless person, um, an inexplicably locked subway station exit results in him almost being hit by a train. So he's ne- it's now 1975, so it's set in the 70s. Yeah, and it's all like, it's like a bad trip. Just it really is. The whole movie is like a bad trip, yeah. Um, so he works as a postal clerk, lives in a rundown apartment in Brooklyn with his girlfriend. Um... He misses his old family and experiences vision, visions of them, especially the youngest of his sons, who died in an accident 
before the war. So he is, he, he is increasingly beset by these weird mm. hallucinations. These people, their faces going... Yeah, the, so cars go past him and the, and the faces kind of blur and go strange. Yeah, it's like they're shaking their heads impossibly fast. They're so yes. fast that they blurred out and it's weird. That's right. At a party thrown by friends, a psychic reads Jacob's palm and tells him that he's already dead. Uh-huh. Which is quite creepy. Pay attention, viewer. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> which he dismisses as a joke. Uh-huh. Um, after declining to dance with his with the medium, he appears to witness an enormous tentacled creature. Um, he he gets a fever. He's really really unwell. He then has a first person perspective scene of apparent flashbacks to his time in Vietnam. Uh-huh where he's badly wounded, being discovered by American soldiers before being evacuated under fire in a helicopter. So he's kind of remembering what happened to him. Uh-huh, or, uh-huh. or is he? Or is he? Because we never actually know. Um, I think that's, that's the beauty of this movie, is that it portrays a possible hellscape that's uh-huh. happening to him, but uh-huh. we're never really sure if it's actually happening to him or if it's all in his mind. Yeah. I feel like, actually, there's a few films where... The first time you watch it, it's just confusing and painful. Mm. And it's worth watching it again, knowing what you know from the end. So I'm Definitely. thinking, I know what I was going on about society. Actually, I probably haven't mentioned society for ages, but... No. Society is very painful to watch the first time. You have no idea why you're watching it or why you care. And then you get to the end, you find out what happened, mm. what is happening. And then it's worth watching again to um, well, I think understand mother, what all that stuff mother, was about. Yeah, maybe mother, mother as well would definitely stand up to repeated viewings. Yeah, yeah. Also, so. things like uh, a movie that was in our top 30, but The Sixth Sense. Yeah, but I watched that the first time. No. Unless your wife ruins it for you. <laughs> also, I don't think it's that good. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Jacob's Ladder definitely, I think, benefits from... Like, the first time, it's just a horrible experience. Yes. But then the second time, once you know what might be happening, it's better. I felt... When I when I saw this, I've only seen this once, but it's stuck with me right. since then. Right, right. I found it to be quite a stressful watch, but yeah. compelling, a very mm. compelling watch. Mm. I think mm. you know Tim Robbins' performance in it is mm. is is amazing. You know, Should if we, you want somebody sh- who's suffering from paranoid delusions and is stressed out, then Tim Robbins is your man <laughs> because yeah. he's you know he is a very um, he's not a very um, emotive actor he's very inter- you know internalizes a lot of his emotions and that's mm. good for a role like this mm-hmm. you know? so we're going to spoil it now or are you going to continue and then we'll spoil yeah, it i'm going to i'm going to spoil the end okay go oh oh boy am i going to spoil the end <laughs> so he's approached by a distressed man who was seen treating um a wound in the medivac hel- helicopter and also dragged him away from a burning car and introducing himself as Michael Newman, he tells a story of having been a chemist with the Army's Chemical Warfare Division. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Uh, where he designed a drug he called the Ladder, uh-huh. which massively increased aggression. Uh-huh. And Michael claims that to test the drug's effectiveness, a dose was secretly given to Jacob's unit before the battle, uh-huh. causing some of them to turn on each other in a homicidal frenzy. So Michael's story triggers a vision of Jacob's wounding in Vietnam, which sh- which shows his attacker as a fellow American soldier. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
He returns to his family's home where he finds Gabe, his son, who takes him by the hand and leads him up the staircase into a bright light. The scene turns to a triage tent in 1971 as military doctors declare Jacob dead. So the doctor notes that Jacob had put up a tremendous fight to stay alive but looked peaceful in death. So then you rewatch it. So basically, he's dying, and he's, he has he's this dying. vision of his future life while he's dying exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, th- so when we first meet him in New York, he is dying from his wounds, mm. and he's just having uh, a vision. He's having a vision. Yeah. And this, <clears throat> and, that, and so then, all the creepiness of the vision gets this new element of instead of it being like a bad trip, it's it's like that. I mean, it's the same kind of idea as like Final Destination, but done different. But better. <laughs> but yeah, um, but better. You know, in the uh, the reason he's seeing this stuff is because he's dead, essentially. Yes, he's dying. Yeah, that's right. His, his brain is, is kind of his brain is through. slowly dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, as I said at the top, it didn't do well on release. I I doubt that it was marketed very well. Um, but. It, it has had a great um, cult following since then. And it is a very, very effective movie. I know we've just spoiled the ending, mm-hmm. but um, listeners should should seek it out. Make sure you watch the original, not the remake, because I have no idea mm. what the remake is like. Maybe it's really good. Um, maybe, although I've never heard of it, so <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. It's uh, Yeah, I think it's well known, isn't it, this film? But, I think but People so. might have heard of it and not seen it. Yeah. So now there was you know. a um, there was a special edition DVD released in uh, nineteen ninety eight, which contains three deleted scenes along with several several other special features. So when you said because you told me earlier we, we were going to talk about Jacob's Ladder, yes. When you said you'd left something out because it was too bleak, I thought you were talking about Jacob's Ladder. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Okay, so you left something much more bleak out. Much, much more bleak than that. Okay. Yeah, which I'm not going to talk about tonight. Okay. Well, Jacob's Ladder's a bit bleak, I'd say. It is, but... I suppose it is, but I think what helps it along is the very arresting visuals mm-hmm. and Tim Robbins' performance, which is pretty stunning. Right. Um, speaking of Tim Robbins... Well, not, not maybe not Tim is Robbins. Is Tim but Robbins' actually, double bill? No, it's not. Oh, okay. It's not. But I just wanted to talk about the Shawshank Redemption. Okay, okay. So there was a little article in this month's Total Film in which they, they, uh, the article is usually posted, is it rubbish? <laughs> or, uh, no, is it me? Or is it you? Is, is the article. <laughs> and what, what they were asking is, so was, was Andy, Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption, is he guilty? And you know that, that Red played by Morgan Freeman's, uh-huh. the first thing he says to Andy Dufresne is, don't you know about Shawshank? Nobody in here is guilty. We're all innocent. Right, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing he says to him. Yeah. Um, so, it, and it was talking about, actually, there is a very good chance that he did do it. Right, okay. I don't know and, much for and, and that a man who uh, committed double murder escaped from prison. And that's why you're feeling so great at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Yes, exactly. You got away with it. Right. Um, but along the way, he manages to fit up the warden and the guards and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember much about it, really. I remember it gave me a warm feeling. It's an amazing film. Well, that's fine. Yeah. It's long. It is long. Yeah, it is long. 
Anyway, shall I move on to the next movie? Would it be a redemption if he wasn't guilty? Um, hmm. So if he wasn't guilty, but he did, he was in prison for a long time. Yeah, I mean, the redemption, mean of it, redemption, yeah. uh, the redemption of it is that he manages to get the warden sent to, sent to jail. So technically being redeemed means being kind of bought, like when you're a slave, like buying out your slavery so you become free. Oh, okay. That's but, interesting. Yeah, well, but well, in I our society, it, yeah. it kind of means it's linked very much with like repentance and stuff because yes, it comes it from is. Christian yeah. stuff. I didn't realise that. So it's from a... Well, yeah. Yeah. To redeem well, I mean, a slave would be to buy them and then set them free. Right. Well, I mean, slavery is sanctioned in the Bible, so. Yeah, there's a bit about it. There's quite a lot. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a bit that says, um, like, don't resist your master if you're a slave. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Should we move on to the next movie? Yeah, let's do it. I'll just, I'll just wrap up Jacob's Ladder, though, with it, with it Rotten Tomatoes summing up. So it says, even with its disorienting leaps of logic and structure, Jacob's Ladder is an engrossing, nerve-shattering experience. Yeah, I really want to watch it again, actually, as soon as possible, because um, it's pretty good. All right. Yeah, I don't yeah. really. It's too painful. Okay. So let's move it's on good. to the It's definitely one. good. Yeah, it is, yeah. So so this is also directed by a British uh British director, Angel Hart. Uh is a nineteen eighty seven American neo noir psychological horror film. So it's a mix up a mash up of genres. Neo noir. Yeah. So we're talking like detective thriller. Mm-hmm. Um an adaptation of William Hortzberg's nineteen seventy eight novel Falling Angel. So written and directed by Alan Parker, famous British director who made The Commitments and ah. Bugsy Malone and right, right, right. Midnight Express. So really, really big influence during the 1970s and 80s, Alan Parker. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it's kind of fallen off the radar these days a bit. Uh, and the film stars Mickey Rourke, Robert De Niro, Lisa Bonet and Charlotte Rampling. And Harry Angel, played by Rourke, a New York City private investigator, is hired to solve the disappearance of a man known as Johnny Favourite. And Angel's investigation takes him to New Orleans, where he becomes embroiled in a series of brutal murders. So, um, following publication of the novel, Hortzberg began developing a screenplay, but found that no film studio was willing to produce his script. Uh, the project resurfaced in 1985 when a producer brought the book to Alan Parker's attention and Parker began work on a new script. The, uh, so, Oh, this was also made by Karolko, who also who made um, Jacob's Ladder. I did not know this before I picked okay. these two movies. When you say made by... Uh, so the same studio, studio bank, okay, bankrolled okay. These, huh. these two movies. Interesting. Yeah. So when you um, say it's, it's uh, like a... It's, did you say it was a neo noir horror? Yes. So is it done yeah. like a like a classic noir detective? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. With a nobody's no voiceover. Okay. But nobody's okay. trustworthy. Okay. Um, everybody's so a lot of got smoking an in dark rooms. There's a lot of smoking. It's moody, moody lighting. A lot mm-hmm. of sweating and down in the deep south. Sounds good. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks stunning. Absolutely stunning. So another visually arresting movie, actually, mm -hmm. Angel Heart. Also with a good soundtrack. I'm just going to see who shot this one. Michael Saracen. Um, he shot... Let's have a look here. So War for the Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Can't bring myself to watch any of those films. They're, they're very good. Uh, he shot um, Prisoner of Azkaban for Alfonso Juaron. Okay. Is that one of the Harry Potters you're supposed to like? That's the third one. Yeah, it's a good one. That's the one he you're shot, supposed to like. He shot Midnight Express for Alan Parker. And Bugsy Malone for Alan Parker. Just on a sidetrack, I really don't oh. see much difference between the uh, Harry Potter Birdie. films. That you're Birdie. supposed to like and the ones you're not supposed to like. Um, so the first two by Chris Columbus are safe. Yeah, the they're all safe. By, they're all just like quite the third one faithful by reproductions of a children's is, book. Is less safe, I think, the third one. In what Mike way? Mike Newell's well, in that he takes some he takes some chances with it. He kind of pushes it in a different direction. For example, it's got, well, um, I think that he recast, when he, they had to recast Dumbledore, mm -hmm. but choosing Michael Gambon for the role was a, was a good move. Casting, how, is it, how is it different? Well, he's a very different character to, to Richard Harris's Dumbledore. You know, Richard Harris's Dumbledore is kind of a bumbly old geezer with a white beard, mm -hmm. whereas Michael Gambon's Dumbledore has an edge to him. That's interesting. And it's Michael Gambon, you know, he's awesome. Yeah. I'm not here to defend the Harry Potter movies to you. Yeah, I don't, I don't <clears> see, <throat> I'm not against them. I just think the first two are also fine. Yeah, they are fine. They're, I yeah. think they're all fine. <laughs> like, okay. and really quite entertaining. So you find them, okay, so you find them to be kind of homogeneously fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, good, you know, I would watch them. Yeah, no, they're very watchable. Yeah. Although, having said that, I think that the, the latter ones directed by David Yates are pretty boring. Right, I'm not sure I've seen... So anything past four, so all of the rest of the one were, were made by David Yates, I think they're kind of dull. Okay. Yeah. But I liked them before that. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. What are we talking about? We're talking about Angel Heart. Angel Heart, Angel Heart. So, uh, Principal... Photography commenced in March 1986 and concluded in June. Filming took place on location in New York and New Orleans. Uh -huh. Before its release, Angel Heart faced censorship issues with the MPAA in America for one scene of sexual content. I think I know the scene they're talking about. And Parker was forced to remove 10 seconds of footage. That's quite a lot. Uh -huh. um, to avoid an X rating. What is an X rating? Is it basically so like in the United specialized States, shops only or something? Uh, in the United States, an X rating is unheard of. You know, nothing gets an X rating. Can it not be sold? Or I think nobody will show it if it gets an X rating. Oh, I see. So, But you could buy it in like a sex shop or something. Maybe. I, don't, I honestly don't know. Maybe it doesn't right, exist right. anymore. Or maybe it doesn't just mean banned is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So there's... Maybe it does. I don't know. The thing with the MPAA is they're unaccountable... Mm -hmm. Unlike the BBFC, they're completely unaccountable. Mm -hmm. They only answer to themselves. Mm -hmm. And the the rating system is different in the United mm -hmm. States mm -hmm. to UK. So in the United States, an R-rated movie 
you can take a child into an R-rated movie. Hmm. Um, so it's not the equivalent of our 18. It's it's a strange rating system. Okay. So is it just um, advisory? or? No, no, no. Uh, that's what they do in um, the South Park movie. So you know, the kids mm-hmm. get a homeless person to buy tickets for them so they can go and watch the Terence and Philip movie, <laughs> which is rated R. <laughs> and they just go in and watch it. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, to cut 10 seconds of footage to get an R rating. And an unrated version featuring the removed footage was later released on home video. I don't think I've seen that version. Okay. It received mixed reviews and underperformed at the box office. But I have seen this several times and enjoyed it a great deal. So, um, maybe I'm on its wavelength in terms of what it's trying to do. But it is flawed. And we'll talk about the big floor of, of Angel Heart, mm-hmm. which is that Robert De Niro's character, who's the man who sets Harry Angel on his course to try and find this Johnny favourite character, his character is called Lewis Cipher, mm-hmm. which is a bit clunky. Lewis Cipher. Lucifer. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll catch up. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that's a bit clunky. Uh uh It's a bit like clang. Oh, I wonder who that is kind Uh of thing. Uh Um, So I think that if it wasn't for that, then Angel Heart is a very effective uh, tale of a man who basically ends up finding himself. So this crooner, Johnny Favourite, is Harry Angel. They are the same person, but they've been involved in voodoo and body swapping and a a ritual is described in a New York hotel involving a a human sacrifice in the movie that is very vividly terrifying and quite horrible okay so I wouldn't I I, I would not expecting it to go supernatural no it does go it goes full-on supernatural yeah full-on supernatural Um, it's literally him he's literally found himself yeah it's a circular story but he doesn't know who he is he has no memory of any of this happening okay okay but what it what he what he is realizing is that everywhere he goes people die and that's because Mm -hmm. he's killing them (laughs) he's basically lewis cypher is using him to keep everybody quiet you know to the trail has gone cold because he's killed everyone okay he just doesn't know it. I um I really like like the Faust style um stories. And that's true. That's that's how it ends is I'm gonna give away the ending anyway. But, yeah, yeah. It's um he um uh somebody gets murdered and the police come and ask him if it's his gun that's on the bed and he says yes. And one of them says to him, um, you're gonna burn in hell for this and he says Yes, you're right, I am. <laughs> literally. <laughs> it doesn't say literally, but you know, that's that's yeah. the that's what's being inferred. Mm-hmm. That he realizes what's happened. Right, 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 right. And that that he's done a deal with, with Lucifer uh to change his body, to change mm-hmm. his face. Okay. And now okay. Lucifer wants to be paid. Right, 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 right. Um <clears throat> so a very effective visually and also soundscape movie. There's lots of great music in this, period-type music, um, but also a jazzy 
soundtrack that's quite unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic performance by Mickey Rourke, who, you know, prior to his boxing career, in quotes, and his plastic surgery, was an incredible screen presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and here he is just uh, on absolute incredible form. So did so I don't know that story. Did he become a boxer? Yeah, so he... He was, you know, as I said, you know, like, like this amazing screen presence decided that he didn't want to do that anymore. He became a boxer, got beaten up quite badly in the ring, uh, had some surgery to correct that, which just makes him look very strange and, and has made a comeback mm-hmm. um, and is still a fantastic presence on screen. But I just can't help thinking what would have happened if he hadn't been a boxer, you mm. know, if he hadn't decided to do boxing. So films that have um, someone selling their soul to the devil that are vaguely based on Faust yes. include some quite shockingly bad films that I still have a bit of a soft spot for because okay, I love can that you, plot. Uh, can, you, um, can you enlighten us? Uh, so what's the one? It's got that famous bloke in mm. uh, as a lawyer. A lawyer? From a small Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate, yeah, terrible film, terrible movie, but soft spot for it because of, I like Al pa- that plot. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, he isn't great well. in that though. Is it? I mean, nobody's very good in that movie. To be fair, <clears throat> um, uh, there's at least one other one that is like that Faust type thing. Yeah, they always they always miss the mark, but I really yeah. like the plot. I love the doom. Like the point is, from very early in the story, you're utterly doomed. Yes. And then you just watch it play out. And I really like that as a story. Yeah, you know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think in Angel Heart, you don't know what's coming, although I have given away the end to the <laughs> listener. You don't see it coming until, you know, if you're eagle-eyed, probably about three quarters of your way into the movie, and then you might be thinking that you know what's what's happening. But it certainly plays its cards very close to its chest. And that's mainly due to the the way that it weaves the magic around it, doesn't signpost things, mm-hmm. uh, portrays the Deep South as a very untrustworthy place full of untrustworthy people. Mm. Um, it's sweaty, it's unpleasant, it's uh, mm. not, not somewhere you want to be for very long. Um, <clears throat> so I think if it didn't have the Lewis Cipher thing. So you're saying like, the name of a character is enough to ruin this film for you? Yeah, it really is. It's <laughs> clunky as anything. <laughs> clunky as anything. But if it didn't have that... Well, that doesn't constitute a flaw. Just the name of one character. It is a flaw, though. It Not really a fatal is. flaw. I mean, it is a flaw. Fair okay. enough. Uh, Come on. I, uh, I have seen this a few times, and I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy it. I think that Alan Parker... Um, there's this, and there's also a movie called Birdie with um, Nicolas Cage and Matthew Modine. Again, a Vietnam story, Birdie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also worth um, checking out. Yeah, with a soundtrack by Peter Gabriel, which is very good. Okay. Um, yeah, that's also worth checking out in terms of visuals and uh, a really arresting story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Angel Heart. Let's have a look at the um, the Rotten Tomatoes. 
so it has a 79% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it says uh, Alan Parker wrote an excellent script and went on to make a memorable film although initially supportive of oh, hang on I'm just seeing here what's this no that's not it that's William Hortzberg who talked about it so although initially supportive of Lisa Bono's decision to appear in the film Bill Cosby oh that hasn't aged well dismissed mm. Angel Heart as a movie made by a white America that cast a black girl gave her voodoo things to do and have sex <laughs> that is kind of true <laughs> but yeah. you know she plays it well you know <laughs> right <laughs> She does play it very well. But, you know, I think we can take anything that Bill Cosby says and dismiss it, frankly. Well, if he's... Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you can look beyond the person. Maybe. The weather, if they're yeah. what they're saying is valid. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think, yeah, it was critically... Uh, not panned, but I think would say would be... Um, Mixed. Mixed mm -hmm. reviews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. However, uh, cultural impact. It has gained another cult following, so another cult mm -hmm. movie mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like um, Jacob's Ladder. Filmmaker Christopher Nolan stated the film was a major influence on his 2000 film Memento. Have you seen Memento? Yes. Yeah, so that's another uh, twisty-turny, not timey-wimey, but certainly a man who's lost his memory and is trying to find the way back. Yeah, so I could see how Angel good. Heart would be a would definitely be a um, an influence on that. I think films that have a major major twist, yeah, are overrated. Okay, on average, yeah. For example, um, the one that everyone says, what's it called? Oh, the the Usual Suspects. Yeah, Usual Suspects. People <laughs> massively overrate Usual Suspects yeah, I, just I because it fooled them. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's just a film. It's totally forgettable. Yeah, I haven't seen it in ages. In fact, I don't think it bears repeated viewing, to be honest. No. Once you know the MacGuffin, then yeah. it doesn't matter. It's just a normal film. Like, yeah. well, I don't know why people get... Well, Memento's better than that. Yeah, it's but way it, I still that, think, yeah. it, just because it's got a twist, doesn't make it... Mm. You know, brilliant. So you're sort of um, looking at... Uh, sort of recent reappraisals of, of the film. Mm -hmm. So Den of Geek writer Ryan Lambie ranked the film at number six on his list of the top 20 underappreciated films of 1987, which is quite specific. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite specific. <laughs> he just picked all 20 underappreciated films yeah. of 1987 and then ranked them. <laughs> so he writes that Parker brings a wonderfully shadowy quality to his noir, noir thriller some viewers may be able to predict where, the, where this twisty, murky thriller is going to take them, but the ride remains one worth taking, thanks to the quality of the acting and direction. Mm, okay, so fine. much like Jacob's Ladder, right. it's definitely an actor and director's movie. You know, it's, right. it's, you know Parker is, is a visual stylist, like Adrian Lyne is a visual stylist. Okay. Um, so, you know, come for the, come for the New Orleans atmosphere... And forget about Lewis Cipher. Is what I would say. <laughs> so I, I, in the meantime, I looked up um, the meanings of the ratings in the US. Yes. Okay. On a website called LiveAbout.com or LiveAbout.com. Okay. A uh, couple of things: submitting a film to the MPAA for a rating is voluntary. 
Filmmakers and distributors can and do release films without ratings, but such unrated films often find limited release in theatres or may go directly to TV, video or streaming to reach larger audiences independent of a rating. Mm-hmm. So that's that part. And then the other thing about the X. So it says, so the, the X doesn't exist anymore, but it says initially the system had four grades, G for general audiences, M for mature, R for restricted, mm-hmm. and then X for explicit. However, right. the MPAA never trademarked the X rating. And what was intended for legitimate films soon was co-opted by the pornography industry, which outdid itself to advertise films rated with a single, double, or even triple X. So the point is they're not banned because it's a voluntary system, but it became like a badge of honour to get an X, which kind of ruined (laughs) the whole point. Yeah, unless you wanted your film to be released and seen, so then uh, you want to go for the R rating. Yeah, so that's Angel Heart. Yeah. Um... Lo- loved it. Thought it was terrific. Speaking but of mixed, funky. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of mixed reviews. Yes. Um, I was looking up um, Trials Rising, the game that I'm utterly obsessed with at the moment. Yeah, it does uh, have mixed reviews, doesn't it? On, I looked at it on Steam, and it's yeah, recent reactions to it are definitely mixed. Basically, people love the gameplay mechanic, which is the thing I love, mm. and they they hate the um, like gear crates and. Oh, yeah. Especially on on PC, I play it on Switch, but especially on PC, it seems like the the way you connect to these servers is constantly going wrong and forcing you to do stuff. And I, you know, it seems like just some of the technicalities are very annoying, yeah. and the fact that you have to, even if you pay for the extra gold edition, you don't get all the downloadable content. You have well, to pay annoying. more, all that kind of thing. So that's, that's the stuff I just haven't encountered because I haven't even gone online with it because our Switch account. The account I'm playing on the Switch is not linked to the Nintendo account we have, so I can't even go on the internet at all. So nice. I've just experienced the game in its entirely vanilla form, but in, um, its, in its original Klingon. Yeah, but which is which is not great because they, there's a lot of fantastic user-generated tracks mm. uh, on it, so you miss out on that if you do what I did. Nah, yeah, bah humbug. I'm actually suffering from a trials-related injury at the moment. I can barely move my left thumb. I um yeah, I did that the first time I played it. I played it for far too long and got terrible RSI. Yeah. Where I could, what was I trying to do though? Um. Like even just stuff like doing the washing up or something was incredibly painful. <laughs> Mind you, it always is. So. Yeah. <clears throat> So um, we finished watching Chernobyl. Oh, good. Good? Um, I mean, I've heard it's very good. I really, really enjoyed it. it was, what, did you, the, what format did you watch that on? Uh, DVD. Right, yeah. It was made by HBO and it was on Sky in some way. That's right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was shocked by how engaging it was, given how dry the subject matter could be. Yeah. And a great thing, cast as well. Yeah. The thing about it that was really amazing was how totally human all the characters are. Mm. So Relatable. even the real baddies, you can completely see what they did, see why they did it and think that you would have you could have done the same. Yeah, um, that's that's it's incredibly a, human. That's very difficult to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. So that that seemed deliberate to me and I really, really respect it in Someone who's making any kind of media like that to 
to take the time to make all the characters people. Nice. Really liked it. We have been watching... Um, we're still watching Devs, so we haven't finished mm-hmm. Devs yet. Mm-hmm. How far have you got through Devs? Uh, so we've got to the bit where uh, the episode... Uh, so we got past the one where she gets sectioned. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler. Um, and we <laughs> oh. got to the one where something very strange happens at the end. Okay. okay. We see something that maybe shouldn't be there. He fires someone and then rehires them. Fires someone for doing... <clears throat> messing with the multiverse. Uh-huh. To clean up the audio. Yeah, um, yeah. But then rehires them, presumably because they're a bit clever. Because he turns up again, that character. Um, I don't think he's <clears> rehired. <throat> anyway. <clears throat> yeah, so we're, okay. we're about, Tell me when we're about halfway through. Okay. Uh, we've given up on knots and crosses. Okay. Oh, it's just sad. too slow, too slow. So you didn't get to... I wanted you to get to the end so I could ask you whether it's still... Well, maybe I could watch the last episode. <laughs> you got one left. No, no, we, we didn't oh, even see. get halfway through. It's just right, too yeah. slow. It's too ponderous. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I wanted to ask you whether um, whether it went where you were expecting. But having said that, um, it, they changed the ending from the book. Oh, okay. So, so actually, <clears throat> the book has a much more radical ending. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else are we watching at the moment? Um, we've been enjoying on Netflix a show called Afterlife. Which okay. I think I may have talked about before, but uh, it's Ricky Gervais, it's the second season. It's about a man whose wife dies of cancer. Right. And he he tries desperately, in the first series, he tries just to be horrible to everybody, to, uh-huh. um, to you know, to numb the pain. Right. That doesn't work. So in, in this series, he's trying to be nicer to everyone. Right. Uh, that won't it, work either. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it kind of is, but it's about him, but it's also about the local paper that he works at. It's about the people that he interacts with. It's got an amazing supporting cast. Right. So, right. like, Joe Wilkinson, Roisin Connerty is in it. Right, right, right. Um, it's, I think it's one of the most heartwarming shows I've ever seen. Right. Which is not something you would associate with Ricky Gervais, but... Ricky Gervais is weird. I kind of wonder how he gets work. He's very talented. I mean, he's, he's, his writing is... Is very very insightful in terms of how people deal with grief mm-hmm. and how <clears throat> people, you know, if you're around someone who is dealing with grief, how you interact with them mm-hmm. is interesting, and um, yeah, it's just really good. It's it it it's bittersweet. So you know, mm-hmm. it throws stuff at you that is very real and relatable. And then makes you laugh. Sounds so, great. It's Sounds really, really good. Really good. Yeah, really good. That, I'll never be able to watch that, right? Because Netflix don't. They do. Yeah, they do release stuff, but it do takes they? ages for it to come okay. out on disc. Okay. Yeah. Um, but even then, it won't get shown on TV, right? I wouldn't have thought so. No, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever known anything by Netflix get shown on um, on TV. Why is the world so stupid? Well, yeah. Don't know. So yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> Still in lockdown. Yep. 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 Yeah, what's Train to Busan? 
we watched Quantum. I watched Quantum of Solace last night. Okay. Which I still enjoy. I think it's not as good as Casino Royale, which is my favourite. Yeah, probably my favourite Bond film ever. Certainly yeah. the best Daniel Craig Bond film. I really like. Yeah, I would say it's my favourite Bond film. Um, but I think um, Quantum of Solace suffers from being made at a time when there was a script shut down, so the writer's strike was happening. <laughs> so some of it works, some of it just doesn't work. But yeah, I think the bit, action yeah. sequences in it are very, very good. Mm. It's, uh, I don't remember which one yeah, is. It's good stuff. Mm. <clears throat> it's definitely been downhill since then for Bond. But yeah, I can't believe he's making another one. Yeah, one more. Yeah. After they they um, Spectre, like they blew everything up, and bad. it was like it was like this is obviously the end. Yeah, no, not yeah, the everything's end. gone wrong, and they've blown up the MI six building. Yeah, spoilers. Mm-hmm. And uh, spoilers. Yeah, it's uh, it was obviously the end, and it was about time it ended. Yeah, because it was. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched the MASH report, the lockdown MASH report. Oh, that entire series was joyous. Yeah, it was really good. And they had a um, they had a quick flash of uh, the Bond film A Quantum of Boris on the screen <laughs> <laughs> in the last episode. Excellent. That was um, good. And that was really nice. I liked Very that. good. Yeah. yeah, MASH report's been good. Have I Got News For You has been surprisingly funny as yeah. well. Yeah, um, have I got news for you? When it's on and I, I sort of catch it, it's still surprisingly good generally. Yeah, I mean, if you get funny people talking about the news, then it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Victoria Corrin is an excellent host. I watched the one with her in. Yeah, she's good. She's my yeah. hero. She plays poker. Yeah, she does. That's mm. how amazing she is. Well, she probably plays less poker now because she's a media personality. A media She's Miss, Mrs. Media. Yeah. Is that it? You got That's it. it? No. <laughs> oh, plugging, plugging, plugging. I've got some plugging. Have you got any plugging? Well, not, no actual plugging, but mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I checked Spotify mm-hmm. and uh, we're on Spotify. Oh, so well done us. How did we... Well done us. I think you submitted us. Right. I've got no record of this. Maybe I did it then. But anyway, we're on there. <laughs> okay. So okay. listener... If, if, um, if you're listening to us on Spotify, you that's can tell because your we're friends on that we're on we're on iTunes and Spotify. So basically, there's no excuse not to listen to us. So if you can dig out the link, we can add that to our boot page. I will endeavour to do so. Yes, because it's missing at the moment. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. you you have plugging. Go, plugging. go for it. Yeah. So I've been working. Um, basically, we at home we use various to do lists for various things. And some of them are very complicated and difficult for me to replace the advertising supported or in one case paid to-do list that we use. Obviously, I would never pay for things, but my wife pays for to-doist. Um, but there is one thing we do with to-do lists, which is extremely privacy uh, concerning because it uses Google mm-hmm. and is incredibly simple which is that we, we have a shopping list in Google Keep. And Google Keep is this very simple note-keeping thing which has a decent to-do list functionality. You can just tick boxes, basically. <laughs> you have boxes, okay. you tick them. And that list can be seen in multiple places. Okay. So it's not rocket science. Um, surprisingly hard to find just a simple thing like that. But Google Keep does the job. But I don't like using Google services. 
And right. so simple, I thought, I can replace this. And I, I launched a multi-month project, so to do. <laughs> so what I have done is made a server which can hold on to to-do lists for you and lets you log in and all the stuff a server needs, which, by the way, has been most of the work, mm. um, uh, which is free for you to sign up on. And I made a website that goes on top of that server and also a spec so that other people can implement different servers and different clients that talk to this server. Mm. Um, so you can make people can make apps for different platforms and things like that that can save your to-do list and then share it with your web browser or wherever else whatever other devices you want to use. Mm. So I've made the website, I've made the server, I've made the spec, and I'm working on the Android app. Nice. But the website that I've made because I wanted to just have something up and running really quickly is completely free of JavaScript. So if you are the kind of person who wears a tinfoil hat and doesn't like having other people's JavaScript running on your computer, <laughs> this is the to-do list app for you. <laughs> if, you're not, if you don't care about that kind of thing, it's basically a very basic looking, very basic functionality website, but it works. You can make lists, you can tick things. But um, yeah, it's at listsync.artificialworlds.net slash UI. Nice. If you just Google for list sync, you'll probably find it. I'm going to list make a proper sync. List sync. List S Y N C. Right. So not list sync as in water sync. No. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Syn it synchronizes your lists. Okay. By the way, you shouldn't Google for it. You should um, duck duck go for it or duck, some duck, other go. search engine. Rip, rip, um, but yeah, so that um, I'm working on the Android app, but I haven't made it yet. But the point is, you'll be able to make a list that you can share with someone else by. Um, having the app on your phone and also your web browser can see it and whatever. And you won't have to use some horrible proprietary service. You can either sign up on my server, which is free to use. At some point, I might start asking for donations. If so anyone could uses somebody it. else run a server if they wanted to? But anyone could run a server either by using my code, which is all open source, mm -hmm. or by writing their own server, which... Uses uh, which follows the same spec that I've written. So that's right. my idea to make like an ecosystem of of servers and and apps that can talk all talk to each other. So no one controls it. And if you don't like my privacy policy, well then just run your own server. And how's the communication done? Is it over HTTPS or TLS or something? Yeah, it's all it's over HTTPS. Uh, well, TLS, which is it's TLS. That. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's secure. It's, it communicates securely with my server, but you shouldn't store stuff that you don't want me to read because technically I can read your stuff on, on my server. So it's not encrypted end-to-end. You heard it end. here first. <laughs> it's not encrypted end-to-end. <clears throat> -end. So if you, if you need your shopping lists to be end-to-end -end encrypted, you should use CryptPad, which yes. is an excellent fully encrypted system that indeed, will not load on my phone. Or indeed run your own server. <laughs> Uh, the, or, yeah, take my code, run it on your server, I'll help you set it up. And then uh, um, if someone hacks your server, they can read your shopping list, but at least then I can't. Now, yeah. the thing is that I won't read your shopping list unless I need to to like debug a problem we're having, having with your shopping list, right? But the fact is, technically, I could read it. It's not end-to-end -end encrypted. Okay. So it's stored in, a, what, a database? Uh, technically, at the moment, it's stored in one file. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but I've written the code so that when, if and when people, um, uh, you know, people start using it, I'll uh, I'll save it somewhere more robust. But at the moment, that is a very cheap way. It doesn't cost me anything above what I'm already paying for my web hosting right. to host this service that other people can use. So, 
Nice one. It is what I am doing. Okay. Well, you should put a link to that on on this week's episode. I'll stick it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Listsync.artificialworlds.net slash UI. Mm. Cool. Or just search for Listsync. Hopefully you'll find it. I'm saying that it hasn't been around very long. You might not. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Cool. That was my plug. I'm sorry it went on. That's okay. I think that's probably the show. The pod. I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you, listener. Cheers, cheers. See you next time. Bye-bye.